Hi, everyone, and welcome to Densit Arm, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Giuseppe Corallo and Jasmine Petty. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about the Grey's Anatomy season 17 finale entitled Someone Saved My Life Tonight, written by Meg Marinis and Andy Reeser. So if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers ahead. So Jasmine, do you want to start with your usual 30-second recap? Absolutely. Uh, All right, tell me when. Three, two, one, go. This week on the season finale of Grey's Anatomy, we travel through time as we see the characters' lives progress over eight months. Meredith returns to the hospital as director of residency and returns to operating. Maggie and Winston get married and Owen and Teddy get engaged. Meanwhile, Joe buys Jackson's old penthouse suite, hires a lawyer, and with Link's help, is able to adopt Luna. Millie and Link split up and we get surprise appearances from Tom and Jackson. Wow, a lot happened <laughs> in the episode, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that uh, it was a good episode. I mean, I, I liked it. I saw on internet that many people are hating on this episode. And I don't agree with all this criticism that the episode is receiving because I actually enjoyed it. Uh, because we finally got Meredith back at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Because finally we moved on and now uh, Grey's Anatomy is playing in real time, April 2021. I mean, now we're in June anyway, like almost real time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm happy that we are moving on from the COVID storyline. Uh, I, I like the general happiness and, and joy and, you know, that sense of hope that mm-hmm. was during the episode. But the only thing, the, my only criticism about this episode is that it didn't feel like a season finale to me. Um, mm-hmm. It felt like like part one of the finale, or maybe I thought this should have been like a mid-season premiere because I think we left all the characters in interesting places and we could have avoid like lots of COVID storylines. So the only criticism that I have towards this episode is why didn't they do it sooner? Why mm-hmm. did we get stuck the entire season on a COVID themed season? So this is my only criticism, but I I have to say that I enjoyed this episode. What about you? Did you like it? I did. Um, I like the hopefulness of it, like you said. Um, I'm glad that we jumped forward and, you know, we seem to be leaving COVID behind. I mean, COVID will still be a reality when the show returns, of course, but not as prominently as it was before. Um, we got to see some more normal scenes in terms of, you know, the actors without masks or, you know, the... Um, uh, something it took me a minute to notice, but the the surgery scene at the end with uh, Meredith and Teddy, they're back in their normal attire, not in their spacesuits. Oh, right. Yeah. That. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you do see them wearing the space helmets and the like the PPE and the, the N95 mask in different scenes after that, but that's because they're coming back and forth from treating uh, COVID patients where you have to wear it, whereas if someone's negative, you don't. Um, so I, I anticipate that for next season, we'll probably get a mix, you know, some scenes with full face, some with PPE, some with masks, some with what we're used to seeing from before, which I think is, uh, is great because you can see more of their facial expressions yeah. and image moving on from COVID. I would have to say that I, I really enjoyed this episode too. Um, but I agree with your criticism that to me, it felt like part one of two, like there should have been a second part there that, 
I wish the previous episode had been bumped up one and then this episode and then then a finale because it felt like like we were missing part two yeah right now um, we're, like we you agree that we left all of them in interesting places but now where yes. is our part two of the finale so yeah and and the other thing I, I think too is um, mostly for Meredith and Hayes but I, I think for some other characters as well because they were having to jump through so much time to bring it into the present um, and I understand with COVID why why that happened um, it meant that we bounced around a lot so there weren't as many deep meaningful intimate conversations where you focus on just a couple of characters and I would have liked to have seen more of that and I think that was hampered by the time jumping for the same time they had to do the time jump so I I would have liked for them to focus on, you know, pairs of characters a little bit more. For some characters, we really got that. For others, we didn't. And I would have liked for them to delve a little bit deeper and show us more kind of in-depth, intimate scenes. And when I say intimate, I mean, um, you know, in-depth conversations, not necessarily being physical. Yeah. Um, so I, I would have liked to have uh, seen a little bit more of that. Yeah, I agree with you that we did, we lost some intensity and intimacy between the characters. Owen and Teddy, for example, we don't know much about what they have been through. We just got some moments, but it would have been great to see them getting to that point. Or, and the same is for Amelia and Link, and mm. it can be said for Megan Winston, and of course for Meredith and Ace. But we will talk about this while we are going to talk, when we are going to talk about the couples. Mm. So I think the biggest thing of this episode, the biggest, you know, storyline was Meredith going back to work. Yeah. And we got to follow her through these eight months, uh, her being the um, director of residency and then being a doctor, a recovering doctor, actually. We saw all these terrible after effects of COVID on Meredith Gray. And she was really struggling, you know, to, to get back to the UR. And I thought that was interesting because many times Meredith Gray uh, gets portrayed, gets written as this superhero. But here she felt human to me mm -hmm. and I really loved this this human side of Meredith this this weakness of her of hers mm -hmm. and I have to say that I also loved completely loved all the storyline between her and and Bailey because mm -hmm. basically it was a storyline between tradition and moving forward and having a new approach towards medicine and I think there was a beautiful moment in which you know, Meredith wants to change things, wants to shake up things, because now she felt different to me in this episode. In a way, she reminded me a little bit Meredith post-pot plane crash, like the Medusa mm -hmm. period. I mean, not that, not that hardness, but I thought she was like done with the nonsense. She was like, okay, I almost died. I'm alive. I'm going to do anything possible to make things right. So I don't have any time to lose because I have the next class of doctors to teach to. And yeah. I thought that was really powerful. It was really interesting. And I loved how at the end, Bailey realized that tradition can actually live together with innovation. And, and the last, mo and the fact that Meredith had this patient, Gurley, mm -hmm. uh, Filipino nurse, I thought it was very interesting and also a powerful storyline. And at the end, when she, 
after she received that message from Christina, which I'm so happy to, to see that that exchange because it, it, this, the, the, you know, that, that friendship, that also the, the antagonism between the two of them that sometimes happened and the, the way they always push each other, right? Mm -hmm. And I loved at the end when she is with her patient and Gerli tells her, you're still here. And she's like, yeah, I'm still here. That made me so excited for season 18 because Meredith Grey is still there. Meredith Grey is finally back at the hospital and I just cannot wait to see her again. Yeah, I, I love that too. Um, I too loved her seeing back at the hospital. Um, I hadn't thought about that comparison with the plane crash, but I think you're right. It's that sense of, you know, you know, like she says to the, to the patient, you know, to Gurley, um, the survivor's guilt never really goes away, but Meredith uses it to push herself to try to help people in a better way. Um, with the time that she does have, like she's still here, so she wants to help others um, and do all that she can. Yeah. And the fact that she, you know, she shared her, re what she was doing with Christina and then Christina was going to try it herself. And she was like, don't, you know, don't forget who did it first. Um, you're right in that sense that they push each other. And I, I too enjoy the storyline between her, uh, Meredith and Bailey, where um, at the beginning there, Amy and I were laughing, my friend Amy and I were laughing, where she was like, well, no, no speech no speech like because maybe and I were wondering if they were if they were going to do a callback with having Meredith do what's normally Richard's speech and have somebody come in late kind of a thing in a callback to the pilot but then when you know Bailey was talking to her about it Meredith goes you know all these all these students have had is people talking to them people are dying there's the last thing these these students need is one more person talking to them about medicine they need to see it they need to actually practice medicine I'm not going to talk at them that's ridiculous I'm going to show them they're going to work with me which I thought was a really good point like talking at people who are watching everybody die is not useful in the way it might have been previously um so yeah I, I also really enjoyed that storyline yeah. um I was excited to see her back and I, I too enjoyed how you know she married someone who keeps pushing herself and sometimes she overdoes it I mean she had to be put on a vet because she tried to treat a patient while being sick with covid yeah um and you know here we see her you know she tries to operate she has to sit down she gets winded she feels the effect she's taking she has to take a breath and take it easy outside and learn to take it easy which is not is difficult for her in that progression where she went from you know couldn't pick up her kids without feeling winded to not being able to stand a surgery and thinking she could do it, she couldn't, to finally being able to stand for a full several hour surgery at the end of the episode, which we know is eight months, like eight months has passed during that time period. Um, I thought that was a very powerful storyline and I, I really liked that. And also the, the, clip, out, the clip out at the end, <laughs> I read that the writer who wrote this episode, one of the two writers, Megan Marinas, really mm -hmm. uh, said to the Hollywood reporter that actually that clip out moment about moment it was actually written for episode 15 you know and then they realized that that moment was could have been such a powerful ending to the season so they pushed it they postponed it mm. and and so he had that big moment at the beginning I was really mad that she had to get away from the wedding I just wanted to see her interact with Ace for example with yes. Maggie so the beginning I was very mad and then I realized that actually that ending was really fitting because she had spent an entire season in a limbo beach. This mm -hmm. time she was back in a whore while everybody danced at the beach. 
So even though I would have liked to see her there, I'm really happy that they chose to go that way. Yeah, and I I really like the moment where she comes out and Bailey hugs her and she says, well, was was this your idea? And they talk about, you know, you she goes, well, you do things your way, I do things mine, mixing tradition and what's important to Bailey, the speeches, the clap outs, that kind of thing is important to Bailey. Meredith just wants to get her hands dirty and do the work, but the first time they tried to do the clap out, Meredith didn't want a, a clap out for, um, you know, for just being alive. To her, that's not, you know, significant enough. Um, but this time when they do it, you know, Meredith receives it and she smiles and she she cries with them because she feels like she's earned it because her and Teddy just saved a life. And she got back in the OR. And to see her share in their celebration, I thought was really beautiful and emotional. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of beautiful and emotional, I want to talk, and I'm sure you're going to want to talk about it too, about Meredith and Ace. Finally, finally, something. (laughs) I mean, when I was talking to you about before about how this felt like part one of the finale, I was speaking about them Mm -hmm. because I loved all their scenes, especially the first one at the hospital when when she's um, looking at the OR board Mm -hmm. and comes in and they have this conversation and it tells her well you didn't have to pass out if you didn't want to go out with me you know <laughs> I, I thought it was very funny I thought he was he's so he's just so charming and he's so perfect yes. for Meredith and I, I loved also that they finally got to have a drink I would have seen I would have liked to, to see a more um, a more meaningful conversation between them why isn't she looking for him and then they had the last glance at the wedding and I thought there was a beautiful beautiful moment I I just and and again eight months have passed and these two people still haven't kissed or haven't had a date I mean of course this doesn't seem real and of course this is a writing problem because they had to cover eight months yeah and I'm and I'm like, okay, they had to do that. But of course, this doesn't feel real. Again, I'm going to repeat myself, but that's how it feels to me. Because I, I saw many people on Twitter saying, oh, no, Meredith and Derek are endgame. No, no, no. But it's like, Guy's on. dead. I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't understand those people. Because like, I like Derek too, but the man is dead. Yeah, when they keep saying, I want Meredith and, and A, uh, sorry, Meredith and Derek to be endgame. Guys, he's dead and she's moving on. And it's not like she cannot be without a man. It's more about why does she have to choose loneliness when there is a person right mm-hmm. next to her that she likes and that likes her. I mean, I think it's very f- selfish for hearing, uh, reading these people telling, saying that, uh, writing, oh, Meredith has to stay single. Meredith and Derek are endgame. No, I don't like that because... Guys, her happy ending is not with a dead guy as much as I love Derek. Her happy ending is is right now with Cormac Ace. Too, like when her and Derek are talking on the beach this season, you know, they talk about that. He says he doesn't want her to be alone. He doesn't want her to be lonely. You know, he he worries about her. He tells her to hear Hayes out, that she has to go back. You know, she loves him. She wants to stay with him. But he's like, you know what? you you know they talk about that you know you've got the kids you have this whole life you know like it's not your time yet um so like they address that so again as much as I love Derek and I I too believe that you know when Meredith does eventually die when she's you know 90 something um 
that he will be waiting for her. It's not her time yet. She's not that old. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I love your... Did you like the... the um, did you like the, um, the, the drink that they finally had? Because I know that you had been talking about the drink a lot. So did you like it? I thought about you when I saw that scene. <laughs> I did. Um, I really love their scene at the OR board. It felt very true to both their characters. And uh, Amy had a good point. We finished watching that scene. And she turned to me and she goes, yeah, I guess, you know, it would be hard to, you know, ask somebody out, you know, when they've been sick for two months, because you want to ask them out, you, you want to move forward. But at the same time, you know, they've been ill for quite some time and you can't just pick up where you left off. So that's, that's difficult. Um, and I like that they address that because, you know, Hayes makes the joke about, you know, um, him asking her out and then him finding her past at the parking lot. So we know that Meredith knows that he's the one that found her. So we know that now. Um, and Meredith says, oh, it feels like a lifetime ago. And I feel like she was talking for fans there because for us, it, it does feel that way because that was the beginning of the season and the end of last season. So, you know, that attraction is there, that desire to go out and have a drink, go on a date is there. But when that episode takes place, I think that's um, like August, you know, she's just kind of getting back to work. She's trying to get in the swing of things. And we see that she pushes herself and has to bow out of the surgery. And she's trying to help Maggie with the wedding. Um, and so I love that scene at the OR board. And then I like their scene in, in the in the attendings lounge. When Hayes comes in and Meredith is, is crying. And then he, you know, he, he starts talking about him like, oh, the holidays are always tough. You know, it's when I miss Abigail the most. And then she tries to pretend like she's she, like she wasn't crying and starts talking about her patient as if she wasn't crying about, you know, the fact that she misses her husband and her family during the holidays. And I really like that moment because, you know, sometimes you want to be vulnerable and you want to talk about stuff like that. And sometimes you don't. And I like that Hayes just kind of rolled with it. Like, you know, sometimes she wants to talk about this stuff and sometimes she doesn't. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't get it, that from that scene. I thought that Mary wasn't actually crying. You, I mean, that she was actually thinking about the patients. Now, you think she was actually crying about Derek? Well, yeah, because she's holding a Kleenex and she's, she's bent over sniffling. Oh, I didn't think about that. I, I thought she was actually, like, worried about her patients. I think she was, but I think, I don't think she was crying about Gurley. I don't... Oh, I, no, I didn't. I, I, you're right. She had a Kleenex on her hand. No, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so I saw it as, I mean, it's my interpretation, but, you know, she's crying. It's the holidays and Hayes knows, obviously, Derek has died. He says earlier in the episode where he appears on the beach that he's heard about the fight she's already won. So we don't know what details he has, but at the very least, Hayes knows that she was in a plane crash at some point. She's been through some other stuff. People died that she knew that she was close to. And so she has a lot to cry about over the holidays, but she's trying to be strong and she doesn't really want to talk about it in that moment. So, you know, he says something to her and she doesn't want to talk about it at the moment. So she's like, oh, you know, she's talking about her patient. And he goes, oh, wouldn't that be nice? And then in order to make her feel better, he's like, oh, I got you a present. He brings out the whiskey. They toast, they drink. I love that scene, but at the same time, uh, it left me wanting more because I would have liked to have seen what happened after they drink. Did they hang out in the attendance lounge for a while? Did they go to one of their offices? You know, what what kind of happened after we cut away? Yeah, I would have, and that's, I think, one of my critiques of this episode is I loved it, but every time they cut away from Meredith and Hayes, I kept expecting there to be this big moment, like towards the end of the episode where, you know, they were going to have- with said me too. I kept expecting there to be this big moment where like they'd be in one of their offices, like somewhere privately alone. And I was expecting 
them to see them talk about either, you know, the fact that he found her and how hard that would have been for him after what happened to Abigail or possibly the beach and her experience there. Um, I kept expecting this kind of intimate scene and I felt like they kept giving us tidbits. And then it got to the part where Meredith was sitting with Gurley and she started to wake up and the voiceover was coming on. And I realized, oh, that this is ending. Like that we're getting to the end of the episode here. Yeah. We're not going to, that's not going to happen. We have to wait till the fall. Um, so I, that's one thing I wish they had had. I wish they'd had that intimate moment and more of a, you know, more meaningful conversation. I mean, they did have meaningful conversations, but it felt like we got like the beginning of the conversation and then they cut away. Of course, I, I also love their, their moment at the wedding. And I've seen many different interpretations of this. I'd like to share a few of them. I saw one person on Twitter point out that as they're doing the line in sickness and in health, that's when Hayes looks at Meredith and she looks back at him. They share that moment. And so some people are like, yeah, yeah, it's in sickness and health because she got sick and he waited for her and he encouraged her to wake up and get better and to fight and talked about her kids. And then some people were like, it's in sickness and in health because they both know what it's like to, to watch somebody get sick and die and to lose that person, what those vows actually mean. And then somebody else was like, maybe just that she saw him in, in her peripheral vision and went to look at him and they shared a moment. So I thought that was cool. There's many different ways to interpret that, but I, I just really love that moment. And like you, I wanted to see um, them dance at the wedding. And I would have liked to have seen more of that, but at the same time, jumping eight months does create um, storytelling. Okay. And and I also, yeah, I, I, I agree with you when you say that we needed just one scene, like at the beach, and the two of them talking, and and maybe another date, like, I, not a date, but him asking her out again, or maybe this time she asking him out. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that would have been fun. But again, let's hope something happens between the two of them in fall. This is, yeah. must have been like the slowest slow burn. Right, the I history of ever. I did this tweet where I was like, glaciers move faster and all these people liked it. Yeah. yeah. Glaciers the move faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, on the other hand, we had a couple who went through things very, very fast. I'm talking <laughs> about Megan Winston. And I have to say again that the eight months took something from them it mm -hmm. took from their couple development you know yeah basically this was supposed to be their episode their wedding day i would have loved loved to see meredith taking care of maggie that day and maggie having like a little bit of a freak out <laughs> but instead, we didn't get any of this because of time and and also uh we didn't see Mar Maggie for the entirety of the episode, apart from the wedding part. So we know that Maggie and, and, and Winston have been together for the past eight months, but we know nothing about the two of them. Yeah. So I think, and I'm going to talk about this when more, when we get to talk about Amelia Link, but I, I think that right now, I, I was not very, very emotional about the wedding because to me they the writers I haven't I think they haven't made a great job at making me getting invested in this couple mm -hmm. so I'm happy for Maggie I really am but right now Whitson seems like um, a character with no particular traits I have to say he seems flat to me and the only thing that stands out was is horrendous I'm sorry to say horrendous but that's the truth for me uh behavior in the last episode when 
he kept pushing for Maggie. And again, so he kept pushing for Maggie and then suddenly her grandma, his grandma and, and Maggie's dad just stand up during the wedding and they tell them that they cannot have the wedding right now because they need to have a bigger wedding. And he just agrees after what she, he has put Maggie through. I don't know, that didn't actually felt real. But apart from that, I really love the aesthetic of the wedding at the beach. And I think the scene in which everyone danced was very, very cathartic. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of the season 11 finale when everybody danced, when Derek had died from a, for a year and, and everybody danced at the Richard and, and Catherine wedding. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I loved everybody's moves, Ace moves, Maggie's moves, <laughs> moves. I, Owen's moves. I really loved that their moves. But, uh, but again, I just hope that next season, the, the writers just do more to keep this couple interesting. Yeah. Even drama, that's okay, but just make them interesting. Yeah, and that is, I guess, one of my critiques of this episode is that, um, you know, in the previous one, you know, like you, talk, you and I talked about, I thought Maggie's position was totally reasonable. Winston took it as cold feet. Maggie just wanted to wait until a bigger wedding was possible. You know, this is really bothering him. He pushes her on this. So she does this whole thing. And then we see when they get to the backyard wedding that like Amelia isn't even there because she got called into work. And so when, you know, they're Winston's grandmother, Maggie's dad stand up and are like, you can't do this. And when I was watching that, I was like, if he just like listened to Maggie, the previous episode, like really listened with his full heart and really got what Maggie was trying to say, they could have avoided all that. Like that's yeah. all she was trying to say. So that mm -hmm. felt a bit like drama for drama's sake. Yeah. Um, because if he just listened and got what she was saying, um, yeah. because I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, that would mean Maggie was sacrificing a whole lot to have a wedding without Amelia there in the backyard that wasn't what she wanted. And what is like, what is Winston sacrificing? Nothing. So yeah. I'm glad they stood up and objected and said something. Cause that was, that was just, that would just not have been a good idea. And I'm glad they had a proper wedding. I, I did really love the wedding scene. Um, I thought, you know, their outfits looked gorgeous. Maggie looks beautiful. Winston looked great. Richard officiating was very sweet. They jumped over the broom. Um, everybody looked great. Everyone looked beautiful at the wedding. Um, I loved the flowers and the flowing drapes and everything. Um, I thought it was all really beautiful. And I, I too love the dance scene where everybody was getting down. Um, yeah. That was very funny. Um, I love seeing Xander Perez in the background. I thought his purple suit was just great. I thought he looked really good. Yeah, he looked great. <laughs> and, and and seeing him dancing with Le Levi was very, very beautiful. Yes. So there's lots of like really good moments in there in the costume department. I think it good, did a good job with all the outfits. Um, had a very joyous feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, I think part of the problem with having to move through much, that much time in the finale rather than doing it a little bit earlier um creates a problem in which we don't get to see that development between Maggie and Winston um which I too would have liked to have seen um so I agree yeah, I would like to see more of that next season I mean I'm interested to see how Maggie adjusts to married life I never thought we'd see the day that Maggie got married so that would be very interesting yeah absolutely. um yeah. But you know, a character as important as Maggie, because Maggie is one of the most important characters in the current Grey's era. I think she deserved, uh, we deserved to, to, to be with her on her wedding day, like on the, the morning of her wedding day. 
I would have loved it. Like a special episode, yeah. like Amelia got one when she married Owen and Meredith got one. I don't know. I would have loved it to see it. And speaking of Amelia, I think that she got out of them all like the biggest cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Amelia Link, I'm really, really torn about their storyline. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the main reasons why people are hating this finale so much was because of their storyline. People are really pissed off that, uh, for this storyline. But I have to say that I'm happy that this is, this is actually happening. Hmm. So I know this is a little bit contrived because again, why hasn't Amelia talked to Link in these eight months? How is it possible? And why is Link doing this sudden thing when he knows that Amelia gets scared easily? Just doesn't make sense. And it, apart from the fact that Emilia knows that she can actually talk with Link because Link is reasonable. But apart from that, I really think that what Emilia and Link needed was a little bit of drama. They need to make this couple interesting. They need, they had to make something happen. And it, again, it is a little bit contrived, but I think we're in for a great storyline for the two of them because I really loved, maybe it was one of my favorite moments from the finale. I really loved the conversation that Amelia and Richard had. Me too. I really liked that. That was beautiful because Amelia said something important. She, she was like, maybe something is wrong, is wrong with me because I don't want what he wants, which means that maybe I don't want what normal people want, you know? And so maybe I'm the one who's wrong. And Richard told her something which I found beautiful. You have to find, you know, you, you need to tell yourself that you can check out in order to stay, to stay not just in a relationship, but to stay present and to stay true to yourself. So I know that what I'm going to say is going to be polarizing maybe, but I really think that right now, I don't want Amelia to get back together with Link. I want, I would love to see Amelia just coming to, to the terms of the fact that her kid, her child is enough, that she's going to have that connection forever, that she, she's enough, she's enough for herself. And if she doesn't want what everybody else wants, that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I think we're in for a beautiful, beautiful season 18 for Amelia. And I know this feels like 14 steps back. I get that. It's frustrating to watch, but I, I think we needed a shakeup and the writers did that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I too feel torn. Um, when Amy and I were watching this, we were trying to speculate before this, this episode came out where, you know, because they found the, the official renewal announcement was made um, was so late, you know, that they already filmed, you know, they, they'd already filmed a lot of stuff by the time they, they knew they were getting renewed, which made writing this episode and rewriting it difficult. From the interviews I've read, you know, it was a week before and they still didn't have, the actors still didn't have a script. And so they had to rewrite this thing a thousand times. It was very last minute. Um, so Amy and I were speculating. We we're like, hey, we wonder if we're going to be able to figure out what they changed when we see this episode or if they'll just film what they had. And our, we have a theory that they changed two things out of this, two key things. 
which is, I think that if, when this was planned to be a series finale, Amelia would have said yes, and they would have gotten their happy ending. But when they knew they were being renewed, they were like, okay, we're going to have her say no in order to open up a storyline for next season. And the other thing I think is that I feel like, so if Amelia says yes, um, you know, there wouldn't have been the scene at the end with Lynn coming to Joe's place to crash on her couch. I think in place of that scene, we would have seen something more definitive with Meredith and Hayes rather than leaving it open-ended for next season, because those are, to me, the really open-ended storylines coming into next season. So I, yeah, I, I'm like you, I'm torn. On the one hand, um, I think it's going to be an interesting storyline. On the other hand, you know, I really like Amelia and Link. And so if they decide to, you know, destroy them and they not get back together at some point in last season, I and many other people think would be very sad because Amelia deserves happiness after everything she's been through. But I, and I really like the conversation between her and Richard um, and him saying, you know, somebody you have to give yourself permission to, um, for things, you know, to, to be able to not have it work so that you can stay. And I wish someone had told me that when I was, when I was younger. So I really like that moment. And I, I think something about this episode that, that kind of got me was that um, I don't know how Link in the eight months that passed didn't somehow clue into the fact that he was gung-ho on marriage and kids and Amelia wasn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, and Joe outright says it. Like, Joe basically says the same, says to him, you know, well, didn't she say she didn't want to get married? And she does the same thing that Meredith says to Amelia, Christina, Owen in previous seasons. Like, did, did you not just, did we not just talk about this? Um, and, you know, and, and, and so, like, she didn't say that she didn't not want to, which, I mean, huge red flag there. I mean, <laughs> if... Yeah. And, and then, also the idea of Link to, you know, involve the kids. I think it was a little bit too much. Yeah, I well, I saw a lot of people comment on this online, too, that it was kind of, like, he seems to be working on the assumption that Amelia wants more kids, even though he hasn't actually asked her about that. He's just made an assumption. And every time the topics come up, you even though Amelia doesn't say it out loud, you look at her face, you look at her voice. It clearly says, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And so Link is just ignoring what's in front of him because he wants more kids and he wants... Um, to get married and I saw people comment online that like involving her dead brother's kids who she took care of while their mother almost died in order to be like you didn't want choice so here's a bunch of rings from these kids that we raised for two months well you were almost going to lose your sister after your brother died um <laughs> like I don't I don't know how like thought she was going to say yes to that <laughs> No, no, I think he's a very positive person and he always thinks about rainbows and puppies and all this kind of stuff. And again, I think the Link is to blame, but Amelia is to blame as well because why can't she talk to a man who's so reasonable? Why can't she? Hasn't she learned anything from her past? She, she, of course, she has a problem because I think that she needs to start communicating better with her partners. She, she really, ha- I, I mean... Amelia has to learn how to be in a relationship. But again, she can decide that she doesn't want to be in one. That's okay. And also, I wanted to say, you brought Joe up, that I think that Link has chemistry with Joe. Yeah, so some people speculating about maybe them getting together. If something happens between the two of them, I think I would be okay with it because I really think they do have chemistry. Sometimes I think that I mean, Joe has more chemistry with him rather than with Alex. And I, I sometimes think that Link 
feels more alive when he's around Joe. Mm. Like he's actually having fun, you know? Yeah. So, and I also, so I'm excited for the two of them to live together next season because as you said, at the end of the episode, links goes to uh, Joe and Luna's apartment. Yes. Can we talk when about I- Luna? Because I want to talk about Luna. Yeah, of course. Come on, talk about Luna. Yes. Um, so as long as listeners will know, I did not love Joe's OBGYN storyline this year, but I really did love her connection with Luna and watching her getting attached. And um, I loved her arc in this episode where she got out of bed and was like, screw it. I'm getting a lawyer and I'm going to get my own place and I'm going to fight for this kid. Um, and her just kind of her being like, I can't take it anymore. I have to, I have to, I have to do this. I love that. I love her getting up that will to fight and being like, if this is my kid, I got to fight for my kid. Um, Cause that's love. And I think a big part of being a good parent is that, that, that fight, that fire for like, oh, I'm going to fight for my child. Um, so I really love that. I love how hard she fought for her. um I love that in the end she was able to adopt her and she got that shark of a lawyer and um that she got uh she said she bought Jackson's old penthouse for a really good price um I saw someone say online that you know that's how you win the friends with benefits thing she got a (laughs) she got a place out of it and how how nice was that was the the Jackson cameo I thought it was beautiful I loved it. And we got a Tom cameo as well. Love the Tom yeah, cameo. And a twist, like a big twist, a funny big twist. <laughs> that scene in which Joe reveals to Belly who she sold her shares to. I think it was so, so funny. Belly's face was priceless. And I like that means that um, she's going, that, like Tom is going to continue to, to be there in some capacity because uh, I love Tom. So I really love that. I like that we got to follow up on that because, you know, Alex leaves Joe his shares when he moves to Kansas. And then we don't really get a follow up on that after it happens. Um, so I thought her selling her shares and being like, OK, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to, in this case, a, a, a loft penthouse suite. But she's like, I'm going to get a place. I'm going to fight for Luna. I'm going to do that. And Tom is one of the only people, Amy and I were commenting on this, that probably has the money to buy Joe's shares and would actually want to. Because nobody else wanted to because it was a horrible investment or they didn't have the money, whereas Tom has lots of money and he wants to be involved. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was great and a great way to continue to incorporate him. And next season, I really hope that since we saw cameos of people like over over the phone from Boston, I'd love to see more of that next season um, from Boston, but also from other places like New York mm-hmm. or Switzerland or Kansas. Like I, I would love to see more people checking in over the phone. I really love that aspect. Yeah, because um, it's real, something that ha- actually happens in real life. Yeah, absolutely. So I really liked that. And I like that she fought for Luna and that she got to adopt her. Um, I really think that's a good storyline for Joe. It puts her in a really positive place for next season. And while I'll never be super into her, her becoming an OBGYN, um, you know, if her storyline next season focuses on her being a single mom and, and learning how to do that and balancing this career change, I think that could... Uh, in her starting to date again at some point maybe I think that could be interesting and I would be interested in that yeah so I really like that um and I was I was surprised but like in a happy way that she went to Link because I know some people were like oh maybe Hayes will help her find a way to adopt Luna but then she goes to Link for the fostering um to take her off the market 
Um, oh, coming back to Link, I, I mean, the fact that he says yes to Joe without talking to Amelia, <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I get what you mean. I get, but it was like, uh, he's her best friend. She's his best friend. Of course, he has to say yes. Otherwise, she loses like the love of her life. So. Yeah, but, she, but he could have taken five seconds. Luke, Link should have said to Joe, okay, I think it's a great idea. Let me talk to Amelia about it and I'll get right back to you. Instead, he says yes without talking to Amelia. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you're right. that was my thing. Is that like, you know, he keeps talking about, you know, he proposes, he wants more kids, he wants marriage. Meanwhile, like he's staring at Amelia in the stairwell, talking on and off this great stuff. And you look at her face, it clearly says, what the effing hell, man? <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't, he chooses to ignore that reaction <laughs> yeah. um, in favor of what he wants to be true. Um, so that part did bother me a bit because I'm like, if someone's truly your partner, you talk to them first. Well, you're right. But Amelia could have talked to him as well. Amelia could have no, told that's him. That's what I mean. Like, you know, when yeah. someone's truly your partner, you you talk to them about oh. how you're feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, they keep, they're, they're not talking right now. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, speaking of Juna, Joe and Luna, I really love the fact that Ace was not part of that storyline because I felt that uh, Joe asking Link's help was more meaningful since they yes. have this big friendship. So I really, I'm, I'm really happy that she decided to involve Link and, and not Ace. I thought it was a, a very smart move from the writers. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have to say that uh, even though I'm not really into Joe storylines, I'm really excited for her for this new chapter in her life because yeah. I think she's finally finding her happiness, mm -hmm. which makes me excited. And I have to say that at the end, when it's the two of them uh, in their in this big loft in the apartment, and she says, "Welcome home, Luna," I, I, I cried a little bit. Yeah, I'm so like, sweet. Oh, this feels like full circle, knowing that she never had. A mother she never had a family so i'm really excited for her and as you said i'm I, I want her to date again to find a new love i really hope they cast a new love a new love interest for her for, for next season yeah and my guess here's what i'm hoping has happened i'm hoping that as soon as jesse williams said he wanted to leave i hope they started casting for a new head of plastics because that would make the most sense to me and I yeah. would love to see like her as a new mom next season new head of plastics he takes an interest in her she's like I have a few months old high needs baby he's like that's cool I'm down with that like that would be super interesting to me um yeah yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to, to see what happens in the casting department this year I, I'm sure they're gonna cast someone but who knows finally we have to talk about Owen and Teddy, and I'm going to say something that I really don't know where they're going to go with them next season, because yeah. what else can happen to them? I mean, now they're happy and they got they found their way back together. And again, I think that this storyline had a great, a lot of potential, but it happened so fast because of the time jump. Yeah. So I would have loved to see their relationship heal. And, and grow from the mistakes that Teddy has made and from the mistakes that Owen has made. So I would have loved to see that. And the fact that this didn't happen, I'm, I'm like, okay, what's gonna happen in season 18 for them? And I think, this is my prediction for the season 18 premiere, I think we're gonna open with Teddy and, and Owen wedding day. Hmm. 
Yeah, because I've seen people speculating, like some people, you know, Amy and I were talking about this, we're like, you know, just is the implication supposed to be they got married off screen? Or are they going to get married next season? But I think you're right. Like if they jumped, I mean, the reality of COVID is that the show has to always be a little bit in the past because they can't do it present, present day because the situation is changing so rapidly. But if they put the show like two months, even like a month or two back at a time in the new season, um, I think that would give them enough wiggle room. Yeah. So, I mean, we know it's April when the show ends. The show will physically come back in September. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like if they jump it ahead by, you know, even if they jump it to literally September when the show will be airing or let's say August and they show Teddy and Owen's wedding, that could be interesting um, yeah. and a good season opener. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't know where else Teddy and Owen can really go because I kind of got a, a vibe back when Teddy and Owen first got back together. You know, I kind of had a vibe for a while. of like, okay, Teddy and Owen were going to ride off into the sunset together and they were going to move to California to be near Megan and everything. Um, and then the whole love triangle happened. And I, I loved Tom and Teddy, um, but I know now Tom has moved to Boston. Um, so I agree. I don't really know what else they could possibly do with Teddy and Owen. I mean, they've given Owen the same storyline like three times. Yeah. Um, they've done rehashing the show with Teddy multiple times as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do with them. I'm interested to see what that is. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this couple, but, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see kind of uh, where that goes yeah. um, for uh, for next season. We are at our favorite quote moment. My favorite quote was, I don't remember the actual quote, actually, but it was the moment in which, you know, Maggie and Winston's wedding was canceled. And Alice is like... Uh, Oh, then I'm gonna get the cake, and 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 Meredith is like, oh, please just wait a little bit, and Maggie is like, okay, you can go get the cake. I just, <laughs> I just love Alice. I love. She's what so about you? Oh, she's so cute. Kids got her priorities straight. Does this mean we get cake? No, wait, no, we we'll get. Just go get the cake. I'm on. She's on. She's on with, with the cake. She knows what the wedding's all about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What about yours? Um, I think my favorite was the overboard scene where Hayes um, sees Mary staring at the board and makes a joke about, you know, you didn't have to get sick just to avoid turning me down and how she's going to be back up on the board soon. And yeah. um, I really, and then, you know, she's saying, oh, it feels like forever ago. And um, <laughs> they have the joke about that they gave me a chair. And he's like, oh, a chair. Because in the, the episode tradition, you know, the voiceover from Meredith talks about how your program gives you a chair. Yeah, right. Um, so I really love that exchange. Um, I love their banter. I love they covered a lot of ground in that conversation. Yeah, I just I really love that moment. It was the one they teased in the promo and it did not disappoint. Yeah. Um, so I think that was my um, that was my favorite moment slash scene. And uh, before we wrap up, um, this is uh, rather somber, but it's uh, something that uh, I need to talk about. So um, as long time listeners will know, um, we usually um, at the beginning of each episode, we'll talk about how we are, and we, we skipped over that this time, um, because how I'm doing is, um, I feel very sad and frustrated this week, um, and if you're Canadian, you know what I'm about to talk about. If you're not, you probably don't, and I'm going to issue a trigger warning, so if you need to skip ahead to the outro, you can. Um, so what I'm about to talk about has to do with uh, abuse and children and death, so um, if that's triggering for you, uh, feel free to skip over this last little bit. What I'm going to talk about is that there's, uh, so earlier this week, I think it was, I believe it was Sunday, uh, here in Canada, 
they discovered this mass grave of 215 children, the youngest of which was three, um, at a former residential school grounds in British Columbia, Canada. Um, and for those of you who don't know what a residential school is, a residential school was uh, these institutions that were run by the government and various, the Canadian government, various church groups, and enforced by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And they were in, um, they were run for a very long time. So from uh, the 1800s and the last one closed in 1996 when I was three. And they were created as a part of a genocide assimilation project by the Cadian government, parts of which are still ongoing, where children would be kidnapped from their families, indigenous children would be kidnapped from their families um, by force and made to go to these schools where they were subject to physical and sexual abuse, torture, many of them died have said for years that there are children buried on these grounds, children that are not documented. And recently they were doing some um, excavating work at this site using um, ground searching equipment. Um, and they discovered a mass grave of 215 children. So the um, the official count of death for that school was 50 kids. So five zero, so that bumps it to 265. And there were there were many schools that were in operation. I mean, it's horrible to call them schools. They weren't schools. They were places of death and torture. Um, but we know that the actual account of how many children, if they dug up all the sites, is in the thousands. This is obviously very hard to talk about, and it's a national tragedy. And for a lot of Canadians who didn't grow up learning about this, I mean, they don't teach in school. This is new information for them, or it's more details than they were aware of. And they're now looking into pushing to have all of these school grounds searched. We can find the bodies so we can return them to their families so they can be buried properly. It's obviously really hard for me to talk about, um, but I didn't want to not say anything uh, because it's it's a national tragedy and uh, it needs to be it needs to be talked about and there needs to be awareness and this is just one piece of larger atrocities you're visiting schools you have the 60s scoop you have the ongoing taking of children into foster indigenous children into foster care yeah it's it's hard to talk about but it needs to be talked about so for anyone looking for more information on that if you type in Canada and the residential schools in 215 do a Google search, you'll be able to find some information. Um, the CBC and CTV have lots of great resources, uh, the Canadian Encyclopedia, uh, Historical Canada, if you want to learn more. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just heartbroken. As I've said before on the podcast, I work for an Indigenous organization, and so this hits very close to home for me. So I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that because it's, it's important and it needs to be talked about. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine, for sharing this with us. Thank you. Yeah, well, it needs to be said. Do you want to talk about our stuff for the summer on a, on a lighter note? Yes. So basically, we'll be back this summer. So even though this show is on hiatus, we won't be on hiatus. We will give you new content and we still got lots of great stuff coming your way. Lots of special episodes. We're going to rewatch some old episodes and lots of beautiful things are going to happen during this summer. So stay tuned. Yes, and we will also be back for season 18. So we'll be back over the summer and we'll be back when season start 18 starts up in the fall. So we're very excited about that. You won't get rid of us. <laughs> so Jasmine, that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, and tell your friends. Our theme song in, is inspired by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at DanceItOutPod and on Instagram at DanceItOutGraysAnatomy. Until next time, I'm Giuseppe. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast. Mm-hmm.